Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Good afternoon. All right. Why don't you guys stand with me? Just want to pray. Holy Spirit, we just acknowledge your presence in this room today. We acknowledge you, Lord. We acknowledge your nearness. We thank you, Jesus, that you're here, you're in this place. We thank you for all that you've done already. We thank you for that testimony. We thank you for the revelation, even that Claudia just shared. We thank you that that you are releasing, you're speaking. And we give you praise in this moment. We give you thanks in this moment. I just asked the worship team just to sing this uh, song right before we, we speak this morning. And as they lead us, I just want to share this one scripture. It's in Matthew 11. Jesus speaking. He's talking about John the Baptist and himself, really. And we're picking it up. Matthew 11 and verse, we'll just start at 11. I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he is the least in the kingdom of heaven. Excuse me, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent have taken it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah, who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this is what I want us to pay attention to. Verse 16. But to what shall I liken this generation? Is it like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton, a wine bibber, a friend of tax collectors, a sinner, but wisdom is justified by her children. Then he rebukes a few cities, which is always fun. And then, you guys with me? Stick with me here. I haven't even started speaking yet. Come on. Verse 25 
Jesus speaks and thanks the Father that He's hidden these things from the wise and has revealed them to the babes, children. He says, even so, Father, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle, lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now listen, I want to share a few things that we're going to sing. We're going to worship for a little bit, and then I'm going to speak. So I'm just, and I'm not going to speak long. I'll speak for about 15 minutes, just for those who are checking the clock. Okay. All right. This is an incredible, incredible portion. For many reasons, there's many things we can talk about, but I want to highlight this thing where he continues to compare us and the ways of the kingdom to children. And what he's saying, listen, John the Baptist came who was the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. And yet he came in one way and you didn't receive him. Then you don't receive him because you said he didn't do this thing. Then I come doing the thing you didn't, that he didn't do, that you were upset that he didn't do. And then when I do the thing you wanted him to do, but that I did, you don't accept me either. And what is this like? You're like children who are on the, the school ground and they're playing a game and the other kids go to the other kids and they say, well, I played the flute, you didn't dance. I played the funeral march, you didn't mourn. It, it, it's this thing, it's like, well, I'm coming to you like a child, but like children, you're, you're not responding to the thing that you wanna do. That you want, basically, I brought what you needed and you didn't receive it. And so many times, even in service, we, it leads to this thing in church, right? And he says, okay, and the pastor comes up, the worship team, whoever, and there's this invitation that says, come to me. Who? The leaders, no. Come to me, who? The, just the men, just the, no. Come to me, no. Come to me, all. And yet, what I see time and time again is the very people who need to respond to the come to me, they don't respond. And I don't know what it is, but what we see in the scripture is, how do we approach him? We need to come like a child. We're expecting him and asking him for something in a specific way, and yet he brings us what we need, not what we're asking him for, and then we'll not respond because we had this exact thing that we know if he comes like this or if the invitations that, or if the pastor says blue I'll respond if he says blue but he said yellow and I need breakthrough but I'm not going to respond because do you get what I'm saying and we're we are an apostolic church we're an apostolic people and what that simply means is this it's not the 20% of us that are here that are pastors, leaders, worship team members, volunteers that are going to do this stuff. It means we're all going to do this stuff. An apostolic church means everyone equipped, everyone engaged, everyone free, everyone filled, everyone activated. And so I, I want to just sing this, and I, I think we might actually do just some ministry, if that's okay. But let's just sing this together. But 
before, I know I said this three times, but if you're that person, you're like, you know what? I normally don't sing. I normally don't. And I'm, I'm going to share a little bit about why we sing. And, you know, that we're in an age of deconstruction in the church, which I'm not even going to talk about right now because it rubs me a little the wrong way just because it's an actual movement from 40, 50 years ago and words are really important. And if you're going to align yourself with a word called deconstruction, then you should actually know what the movement was. It's okay to figure out what it is that you believe, but also pay attention before you align yourself with something that holds something, okay? But we sing. We, we express ourselves in worship why? Because God decides how he wants to be approached. We don't decide how we approach God. God decides. He gets to decide how he likes to be approached. And we see, we pray the prayer that it wasn't, wasn't Jesus' prayer. It was really the disciples' prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're constantly talking about that, but we don't stop to think, well, what does the approach of God look like in worship in heaven that we're saying on, on earth as it is in heaven. It looks like Revelation 4 and 5, 24 elders, four living creatures singing nonstop before the throne of God. And then it says tens upon ten thousands of angels making declarations before the throne of God. And then thousands upon thousands on the earth responding, come Lord Jesus, come. So why do we worship? Why do we say, lift your voice? Why did Mariah say earlier, hey, let's sing a little louder? Because there's a way that God likes to be approached. And so I just want to do it just for a little longer because I'm preaching today and I get to do it. But here's the thing. I want you to do it with me. I love what Claudia shared. It's the God that goes before us. But can we take it one step for further? John the Baptist was a forerunner. So we get to do, like Jesus says, the works he did, but greater. So if he's the one that goes before, then we get to go before the people that are coming behind us. This is the Isaiah. Build up a highway. Build up a highway. Lift up praise. Build up a highway. Remove the dusty rubble. Get the stuff out of the way. Build a highway. What's a highway? It's a road. It's a pathway so that the people that are coming behind you, they can follow you. Like Paul said, if you don't know how to follow Christ, that's fine. Follow me as I follow Christ. So this is what I need. I don't need 20% of the staff and the volunteers activated to lead a city into revival. I need 100% of this church activated, building up a highway. And one of the ways we do that is praise and worship. Why? It's not our idea. It's what he laid out in the scripture. So let's sing this together for a few minutes. And if you want to come to the altar, come on up. Especially if you're the ones that don't normally come. Come on up. Seriously.
sing I love you Jesus but just the voices just the voices Let's sing this again, even all the way in the back. Come on, sing loud enough that you can hear yourself. Oh 
just want to pray for some people one of the things that's been gripping my heart the past few months honestly over a year is growing up with friends family in the same church in the same services in the same meetings and yet you know I'm with the Lord and they're not and it grieves my soul and so you know we could go into praying for the lost but the the and maybe we will, but what I want to pray for is that the Lord would root us and establish us. Because listen, you know, that could have been me. Not that I have any doubt in my salvation. I, I have no doubt whatsoever. But I want to pray that the Lord would release a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit upon this company. That it would be roots that take you 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and we'd still find you burning with this passion for Jesus. I'm telling you that this is... So last night I had, uh, we were with friends and, and uh, someone was asking me, you know, hey, uh, you know, I heard you're working at Life Center now, what are you doing? And start telling him one of the things that I'm doing. And as I'm telling him, you know, we're at a restaurant, there's people around us waiting to be seated. And all of a sudden this sound and I looked down it was this key it just fell in between my feet and like just stopped the whole conversation and it, we're just like looking around there's no one moving like it was just weird so we picked up the key like is this your key asked no it was no one's key and so I look at it and it said minute keys 
And immediately I heard the Lord say, now is the time I'm releasing keys. And you no, know, I'm a good person too, so I left it at the front desk just in case it was someone's key. But I also know in, with my walk with God, I can just as easily take that moment and call it coincidence or I can recognize it for what it is as this is the Lord. And I felt like in that moment, and even as I was processing it this morning, the Lord wants to hand out keys. And it's, it's keys that are for such a time as this. It literally said minute keys on it, which I've never even heard of that. I don't know if that's a thing or, I don't know, maybe Home Depot has it. I don't know. But uh, I feel like the Lord wants to hand some of you guys keys where maybe you've been dealing with this thing, this, this, this wrestle, this struggle of like, well, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know if this is for me. You know, I come on Sunday mornings and I go to the Friday night prayer, wherever you are in your walk, and you're just like, we can get in this routine of church. But the Lord's saying, I, there's a door I want you to walk through where you become activated, you become filled, and you become a mouthpiece. I have this dream where I see the Lord raising up an apostolic company. And I believe it's in this house. I believe it's all over this region and this city. But I believe it's an invitation for everyone here. Where the Lord is going to call you to things. Some of you guys is going to call you out of the marketplace and into full-time ministry. As your occupation. Some of you guys... It's going to be a, a job change. Some of you guys, it's just going to be like, you're going to get raises, promotions, open doors of favor, and you're like, I don't even know why I'm in this position. And in that moment when you're thinking that thought, that's when you should stop and remember, oh, okay, there's an assignment. There's a moment. So let me just pray. Father, I thank you for legs and feet of perseverance. Lord, I thank you for the keys. Lord, I thank you for divine interruption again. Lord, I thank you for handing out keys today. We're going to talk for a few minutes on David. I thank you for the key of David. I thank you that you're going to open doors that no man can shut. And you're going to shut doors that no man can open. Lord, I pray for this apostolic company here this afternoon. Lord, I ask that you would release, like Paul said, Romans 1.11. I long to come to you, to lay my hands on you to impart a spiritual thing to you so that you may be established, rooted, grounded, not easily falling over. Lord, would you release an infilling today that establishes your people so when the winds of doctrine come, we're not blown to the, the, the left and to the right, but we're rooted and we're grounded. When the tests of life come, we're not blown to the left and to the right. We're rooted and grounded. When disappointment comes, we can still put our hope in you. I, I feel like there's even a group here that you come on Sundays and you feel like you're walking in on someone else's party. And you stumbled in and you weren't invited. And I want to just say, no, this is for you. These things we're talking about, these things we're preaching about, these invitations, it's for everyone. It's for you. Especially for the one thinking, oh, I don't know if this is for me. It's for you. It's for you. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. Come. Who? All. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take upon my yoke. Now growing up, as a kid, I thought it was an egg yoke. I really did. 
And I was like, you know, that silly thing they do in like middle school, they break, you break the egg on your friend and you're the, anyway, that's a whole, it's probably like sozo. Um, but a yoke, for those who don't know, it's like when two, two oxen are yoked together, it's the piece that goes around the shoulder, around the neck, and it yokes you. So when he says, take upon my yoke, there's a connotation there, meaning you're yoked to something else. So take upon my yoke, which means yoke yourself to me. It's not a rogue yoke. It's not a one-person yoke. It's still a double yoke. So that when you start to go in a direction that I'm not going in, I can drag you along with me. Right? Some of us feel resistance when we're on the road to the Lord. It's not actually the enemy. It's us trying to go in a way that he's not leading us. And he says, take upon my yoke, because when you have my yoke, it's easy and it's light. Why? Because he carries the burden of the weight of the thing. Meaning he's given you assignments probably in the cart behind you in the yoke that you are pulling with Christ. And it can feel weighty at times, but probably when it feels weighty is when we're not walking in line with him. And when we realign what we're doing right now, we're realigning. It becomes easy. It becomes light. It doesn't mean he's doing it all. We're still doing it. We're just walking with him. And I forget where it is in the Psalms, but it says, you know, he, he wants to lead us. Lead me, Lord. Lead me with your eyes. And there's only one way you can be led by someone's eyes, and that's looking right at them. I'm telling you guys, I, 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 there's a fire burning inside of me, and I want to see this fire ignited in you. And we're going we're gonna to take 10 minutes, and we're going to teach on this really quick, but I want to challenge you guys. There's, and I'm really speaking to those who kind of just feel like they're on the outskirts. Like, this is your family. If you want this to be your family, this can be your family. And don't do the thing where it's like, well, that person walked by me, so maybe I don't belong here. Like, no, he was probably just had to go to the bathroom really bad. And was just, no, seriously, we have these assumptions about people, about life, about things. This is a family here. This is a safe place. You can take risks here. You can share your dreams here. Not just your struggles. You can share your dreams so that we can hold you accountable to the high call of God that's already on your life. I wanted to teach you guys, and I, I will a little bit, on the Tabernacle of David and Harp and Bowl, and I'll, I'll probably save that for another Sunday. But I just, I, all day, it's just this thing in worship, and it's Colt's fault, because he said this would happen in the back. <laughs> but, and we prayed with the worship team, and, and maybe it's just a season that we're going to come into. Lord, we're giving you permission to interrupt us. We have the vision you've given us for years, and that's good, and we're going to keep doing it. I have things that I feel like he's put on my heart to teach, and we're going to do it. But I want to invite in our service, but in our life, permission for God to interrupt us. This is a season where he's bringing simplicity, but that means we need him again. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to interrupt our services. Jesus, we invite you to interrupt our meetings, to interrupt our dinners, our lunches, our work meetings, our structures, our train rides and bus rides and car rides. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to interrupt our thinking, to interrupt our agendas, our plans, to speak again into the dreams. Holy Spirit, I invite you to interrupt our disappointments. Holy Spirit, we invite you to interrupt our breakthroughs to interrupt the good things, to interrupt the bad things. 
You have permission, God. Not that you needed it, but you're pleased when we give it. We thank you, Lord. If you want to stay here, you can. If you want to sit right where you are, or you can grab your seat. Are you, if you could play for me. And don't, don't disengage. There's this, um, I don't know, it's just this like weighty presence here this morning, this afternoon. All right, we'll do it like this. Because I really want to, I want to connect this. There, I think there is something the Lord wants to build in this house of worship, a culture of worship and intercession around the presence of God. One of the things that struck me about this house as it's developed over the past 15 years, I mean, you're in New York City, it's filled with, you know, businessmen and women, which is very cool. It's very unique. It's probably uniquely a city type church thing. But there's been this, this burning for evangelism, for the reaching of the lost, which honestly you don't, you don't always find in, in a church. And we're not talking bad about churches, but you don't always find it. Then there's this thing where we're birthed as a house of prayer. You know, we were a house of prayer. Before we were a church, we were a house of prayer, just this house of prayer. So we're birthed in prayer, intercession. I like to call it, you know, rock pile prayers. Tammy and Juliana, I mean, they could pray with no music. They really can. The rest of us, we probably need music. Um, and then this value for the presence. I mean, there's just like, and I feel like the Lord wants to connect these things. I, want, I feel like he wants to kind of reveal to us, hey, watch how I have written the story of this church. And you might be like, well, this is my first year here. Well, that's fine. You're part of the family, so our history is your history. Our story now is your story. So it's not this thing like, well, I wasn't here when we were house of prayer, so I'm not a house of prayer. No, you are, because you're here, right? And in Amos 9-11, it says, in that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and re rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. I will raise up, some translations say, the, the fallen booth of David. And for those of you who don't know what it is, I'll give you it in 60 seconds. When David became king, the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Testimony was in the house of the Philistines in a temple, Dagon's temple. Saul had lost regard. He wasn't paying attention, which is probably why the Philistines were able to even take it in the first place. David's first act is, I want, I want the tabard, I want the, uh, the Ark back. Because David understood if we can have the presence, then we have blessing, right? Uh, it goes, goes awry. Uzzah gets killed, that ends up in Obed-Edom's house. It's in Obed-Edom's house for three months or so. Obed-Edom's house is getting blessed. David goes back to the scriptures to see, well, how can we get it back the right way? Because we put it on a cart. 
Well, it's not supposed to be on a cart. It's supposed to rest on the shoulders of the priests who are properly prepared to carry it. So then they go do it, and it's like this huge parade. Think like Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, only it's led by the President of the United States or the Queen of England or whoever leading the parade. And the whole purpose of this parade is to restore the presence of God back into Jerusalem. This is a huge thing for the king, the, the, the president, the chief leader of the nation. This is the first act. I'm restoring the presence back to the center. And it's, I mean, again, it is a whole message, and I'll preach it another day. But he restores it, pitches a tent in Mount Zion, and puts it in there. He wouldn't build the building. His son would eventually do it, Solomon, and then it becomes known as the Tabernacle of David. And then it has many restorations or revivals or renewals throughout history all the way up to Nehemiah. And then, you guys with me? Okay. That's the tabernacle of David. Amos says this in the prophecy. I'm going to restore it in the last day. Okay. So then that connects it to us today, right? And then in Acts 15, we have the Jerusalem council. And here we have the apostles that come together and the, the you know, if you're a businessman or woman, it's like, okay, you're, you're working on a project. There's an issue. Let's identify the issue before we can create the solution. First, identify the issue so then, then we can come up with the solution and then action plans. And so what they're doing here is they have an issue. The issue is the Lord sent them to the Jews, but now all of a sudden Gentiles are being saved. And not only are they getting saved, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh-oh, they're doing everything we're doing. What's going on here? And so then we have Peter. Peter has the vision. You know, they, they get together, Right? to share testimony, there's a council of apostolic leaders. What do we do with the Gentiles? What do we do with the Gentile church? We know what to do with the Jewish church, but what do we do with the Gentile church? And so they start to share testimonies, which is also very amazing insight into leadership. Like, what do we do with the issue? Instead of just being practical, they start to share encounters. And so Peter shares the dream. The sheet comes down from heaven, happens three times, he says, Peter, arise, kill, and eat. He says, no, Lord, I will not eat what's unclean. And the Lord says, Peter, don't call unclean what I've called clean. And then starts to connect it because the, the, the argument, the issue is around circumcision and cleanliness and, and so forth. And then um, different ones share different things. And eventually what happens is this. A conclusion is made. And James, who seems to be the one who's leading the council in this moment, says, oh, I know exactly what's going on. You should, we, we have the issue. You should, I know what's going on. It's right here. And he turns to Amos. And we read it here in Acts 15, verse 16. Well, we'll back up to verse 13. And after they had become silent, James answered, saying, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take them out, take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it, as it is written. After this, I will return. I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. And it's this beautiful picture, because it's like, well, he says, even all the Gentiles, right? Who's the Gentiles? And if you go back to Amos 9:11, verse 12, because he's quoting here, that they may possess the remnant of Eden, Edom and all the Gentiles. Who's Edom? Edom is 
the land of Esau. Jacob and Esau, Jew and Gentile. And what happens here is James is, is saying, okay, this, this bringing in of the Gentiles, this is the rebuilding of the fallen booth of David, the tabernacle of David. And then, guys, what is the tabernacle of David? Well, let me tell you. David, in that day, was in a company or in, a, in an era where you couldn't go in before the Ark of the Covenant. Remember, we just talked about it. You couldn't go in. No one could just go in. Just one time a year, one high priest who they cast the lot would go in once a year, would take the blood of an animal, sacrifice it before the presence of God, and it would not forgive sin. It would just delay the judgment of sin for one more year until the next high priest in the next year would come and do the same thing, prepare himself. They would tie a string around the ankle because if that high priest had sin in his life, he would die before the presence of the Lord. The bell would ring. They would drag him out because uh, he was dead because he had sin. It's too much information for the right now. Okay. So anyway, the whole point was no one could just go, but then David restores the tabernacle and he does not restore the priesthood in that way. What David does in that moment is he says, okay, now this is here, it's in this tent and anyone can come before this at any time and not just bring the sacrifice of, blood, blood, of, of bulls and goats, of an animal, of blood, a blood sacrifice. But you can bring a sacrifice of worship, of praise, a shout, a prayer. Whatever you have to bring, you can bring. And they do it for about 36 years. And it's significant because it's a prototype for Christianity that would happen 2,000 years later when Jesus would come, die, send the Holy Spirit, and then we can pray the prayer which we have in the scriptures that says now in Hebrews, we, because of Christ, can boldly approach the throne of grace. What is that? That's us coming before the presence of the Lord. That is the fallen booth of David. David did it for 36 years when technically it was illegal in that time to do it, breaking the laws of Moses. And James says, I know what's happening here. That's what the prophet was talking about. He's, he's establishing it in our day. And if you also know Tabernacle of David, he had 4,000 musicians, 288 singers that would sing 24 hours a day, one hour shifts, not just any singers, Ivan. Excellent. Not just any musicians, it says excellent. And not just excellent musicians, but we see in Chronicles, musicians who would prophesy on their instrument. And we see the tabernacle of David being this worship and prayer culture around the presence of God that looks like the approach with shouts of praise, with worship, with music, with pr prophecy, declarations. And not just, this is not just for the elite. It's not just for the 20%. It's for everyone. And then we get the picture in Revelation 4 and 5, like we mentioned before. We see the throne of heaven. We have the 24 elders, the four living creatures. In their hands, each of them, a harp and a bowl. The bowl holding the intercession, the prayers of the saints. And nonstop, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who could break open the seal. This is this picture of heavenly worship. So that when we pray the apostles' prayer on earth as it is in heaven, and we have these prophecies, and we know in the last day, he's building a tabernacle 
Because God wants to tabernacle with men. And we build glimpses of this right here at 75 Maiden Lane. We're building a tabernacle. We're building a place where people can come, but in the way that God wants to be approached. Some of you guys, the Lord's going to call you to this. Like David did. He freed people up from the work of labor so that they could minister before the Lord. And, and he didn't just do it like, oh, we'll just be practical, like us administrative brains. We'll be practical. So we'll get 10,000 people. Well, no, probably you need a lot more. We need, we'll do, we're going to do it 36 years. We'll get a million people. You'll each do it like for a year, and then someone else will do it. And we'll no, he said, no, no, no. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it with perseverance. You're going to do this for the rest of your life. Your children are going to do this. Your grandchildren are going to do this. I'm going to free it up for you and your family that you can dwell in the house of the Lord. It's the culmination of David's heart cry. Psalms 27, 4. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This one thing I seek, to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, to inquire of his temple. David had insight that John would get insight of the beauty of God, that this is this thing that causes us to worship. Why do the elders, why do the, the, the seraphim, the four living creatures, why do they nonstop say holy, say worthy? It's not because it's their assignment. It's because it's the natural response of beholding his beauty. And there's so much more to this. I mean, the fallen booth of David, it, it, it's, it's government. Guys, it's government, it's structures, it's systems, it's, it's setting the presence before, not just the church, before everything. And we as businessmen, as businesswomen, as students, wherever we are, as family members, we get to carry this within us. Because we are building a corporate altar, but there is an altar right here in your heart. He calls you the temple of the living God. And you... Not like Moses in Moses' day in Moses' tabernacle, like the high priest did, have to go with a, in a, a veiled face to look at the glory of God, otherwise they would die because no one could lay eyes on it. They had to be veiled. But you with unveiled faces, which says so many things in itself, meaning unveiled. I don't have to come hidden. I can come with my stuff. I can come with my junk. I can come as I am. Sometimes we walk in here on a Sunday, we walk in here on a Friday, or maybe we don't even come in the building because we think we need to clean ourselves up before we can come in. He's like, no, just come. He doesn't say, come all you who are ready and dressed. Who does he draw near to? Him who is broken of contrite spirit. He also comes to the hungry and thirsty. We don't only come broken, but the point is, this is for everyone. First Peter 2, verse 9. Closing up here. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have mercy. Why do we say sing? Because 
they're singing in heaven. Why do we pray? Because there's praying in heaven. Why do we worship? Because there's worship in heaven. Why do we do it corporately? Because it's corporate in heaven. Because it's in the scripture, because this is the way he wants to be approached. And some of you today, your heart is burning because you're like, I was made for this. You were made for this. This is who you are. You're a worshiper. Not because you like worship, but because that's the way you were created. You are an instrument. You know, they have the harp and the bowl. The harp represents worship. I think we were talking about the harp and bowl. Someone came up to me afterwards and they said, so we're going to all learn to play harps? like no 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 it's just a it's a symbol it's just a picture it's a it's the worship and we could talk about so many things and and i will maybe next time i'll I'll preach this actual the whole message but i just want to challenge us today Wherever we are in our walk, and we're all in different places, the Lord is not far. He's within reach. He's closer than you think. And this presence that you feel this morning, this afternoon, it's not just limited to these four walls. You can carry this with you. Bill Johnson would say, you know, wherever I walk, the, the six-foot radius around me is in an, under an open heaven. But that's our reality. That's biblically our reality. And what it, would it look like practically to walk it out? And these, these are the questions I asked myself. I said to, to um, Ivan and, and Mariah on Friday, if you were here on Friday night, I mean, we didn't want to stop. We wouldn't want to stop worship. We, and I had to catch my train, so I, I stopped and I, I left. <laughs> because I live in New Jersey. If I miss the train, it's an hour later. Um, but I said to them, I said, what would it look like if instead of like at the end of the worship service, all of a sudden there's this like robust presence. Like what would it look like if the moment we, we opened, all of a sudden, whew, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you how that happens. It happens by not waiting to get into this room to cultivate. It happens when every single one of you come and bring your history of the week, of the day. For me, do you know what I do? When I, before I walk in this building, I come, come up to the door and I look up at the at the whatever it is, the awning, I'm saying, Jesus, you're in this place. And as I come down the stairs, I'm saying to myself, you're here. As I come into the the lobby, I'm like, Jesus, you're here. And as I walk into the sanctuary, I say, Jesus, you're here. Because he's here, I need reminding. It's not that he he just forgot to show up some Sundays. He's here. Why? Because he said, wherever two or three gather in my name, I'm there in the midst of you. Many times it's just us recognizing that he's here 
And then after that, I'll, I'll start to thank him. And I'll go into thanksgiving. And I'll thank him for who he is. I'll thank you. I'll thank you, Lord, that you saved me. I thank you, Lord, that I could be anywhere. I could be dead right now, but you sustained me. I, I could be lost, but you found me. And I start to thank him. And naturally, thanksgiving will lead into praise. And I'll praise him for who he is. And I'll praise him that he's worthy, that he's holy. I'll praise him that he's the king who sits on the throne. I'll praise him. And, and praise naturally will lead into worship. And worship is the place where he is. It's the place where he lives, he dwells. It says that he, he rides on the praises of his people. These are not just cute verses, guys. The reality is there's a, there's a realm, there's a spiritual realm that's more real than the chair you're sitting in. So why don't you stand with me? Jesus. Holy Spirit, we feel you here. We just say increase. Yeah, just put your hands out before the Lord, just as if he's going to hand you a gift. Nothing special about this position, but sometimes there needs to be an outward expression of the inward heart. And Father, we... We sense your nearness, God. We pray the prayer that David prayed. One thing have I desired of the Lord. This one thing shall I seek. To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire of his temple. Father, I ask that you would reveal your beauty to this people. Father, I ask that you would fill us afresh with your presence. We feel you, God. Come, we invite you to interrupt us, God. We invite you to interrupt us, God. Lord, I pray that not one person would leave here today without a touch from you. God, we don't come to gather around the name Life Center. We don't come to gather around the name Rich or whatever. We come to gather around the name of Jesus. You're why we're here. Lord, we appreciate the routine of Christianity. We appreciate the liturgy. We appreciate the practices, God. But without you, it's nothing. Lord, I ask that you would call ones in this room to that very thing, the restoration of the tabernacle of David. That you would call ones to night and day worship and prayer. Lord, I pray, if you're, if you're a musician, just, just lift your hand. If you play an instrument, whatever it is, all across the room. Father, we, we pray for these musicians right now. Lord, I ask that you release the spirit of prophecy upon them. As you did with David, that you would anoint them to prophesy. That you would anoint them with a prophetic spirit. We ask 
spirit of prophecy increase upon them even now. That as they play, it would release a sound that causes shifts and breakthroughs. If you're a singer, just raise your hand. Father, I thank you for the singers. Lord, I thank you for the vocalists. I thank you for the lyrists. Lord, I ask that you would anoint their voice, God. That as they sing and the musicians, as they play, that your presence would come. Now, this is a trick question, but raise your hand if you're a worshiper. (laughs) Lord, I thank you that like David, we will be even more undignified than this. Lord, would you break off the New York City dignification? Lord, would you break off the businessman, the businesswoman dignification? God, would you make us fools for Christ? We'll bring back a 90s phrase. Lord, would you make us Jesus freaks? Lord, would you make us those that we don't care what it looks like? We don't care what it sounds like. We don't care how long it takes. We will not change the subject. And Lord, I thank you for those keys. Some of you, you're going to go home and you're going to have dreams. You're going to have random visitations, visions encounters. Lord, I just release a season of perpetual encounter. Lord, I release a season of perpetual encounter over and over again. Yes, dreams, Lord. But Lord, even during the day, even on the bus, on the train, on the street, Lord, that you would begin to encounter us, that you would speak. We'd hear whispers. I speak to your ears right now and I say, be opened up. I speak to your eyes right now and I say, be opened up. I speak to your spirit and I say, be activated to hear and to see. Lord, I speak to the thing that's been blocking and I say, this far and no more. In Jesus' name. Well, if you want to come up and you want personal prayer, I want to invite you to come up. If you, if you don't, we, we bless you today. And I encourage you guys, go forth in His presence. This is for you. For those, like in Matthew 11, some of you guys, He's inviting you. He's playing the flute for you. And He's saying, come on, dance. He's saying, I'm playing the flute. It's time to dance. I'm playing the flute. It's time to dance. It's time to break out of your comfort zone. I'm not going to make Ivan play a dance song, but we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it. But if you want prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. If not, be blessed and be filled today in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.